Hello and welcome to Mikey Pod Podcast, episode 234 for May 29th, 2017. Today's guest is Andy Tabar, and I'm your host, Michael Heron. I'm a composer, pianist, electronic musician, storyteller, and activist based in New York City, and as such, I have some pretty diverse tastes in things. So in this podcast, you could hear guests ranging from activists, musicians, pastors, authors, whatever else strikes my fancy. I've been sending this podcast to your ears for a little over 11 years. If you'd like to know more about me, stop by my website at michaelheron.com. Hit me up on social media everywhere as at michaelheron. Leave a voicemail at 347-460-1753. Yep, that's right. (laughs) Or email mikeypod at gmail.com. It's been a while since I've done a podcast. I have three interviews just collecting dust, um, and it's a busy month. It's going to get busier because I leave for my tour. Uh, So uh, before I get into anything else, well, well, two things. The first thing is I'm kind of rushed right now because I'm trying to get this thing done. Uh, I want to get this podcast up and ready to go before I leave town for the weekend. Uh, So uh, Patreon people will have access to it over the weekend, and it'll go up Monday. What is that sound? Is that coming from me? I don't know. Oh, and now it's gone. I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, so much for making this go quickly. All right, I want to talk about DXE. Uh, DXE, for those who don't know, and and I don't talk about this a lot on the podcast because this isn't precisely a vegan podcast. And um, uh, DXE is an activist organization, direct action everywhere. I referred to it in my last podcast, and I did so in a dismissive way of some people who have um, valid concerns about DXE. I have a disagreement about that, and I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> but what I did uh, what I did say was I was very dismissive about people who had a different opinion about that than I do. And I apologize for that. I, I feel like when I uh, talked about it, I just, I can't remember exactly what I said, but it was, it was pretty shitty. Um, and there are people who I care about who have very strong feelings against DXE. And I need to apologize for not, um, at the very least, being respectful of an opinion with which I don't agree. I also am not good at having this conversation, I've discovered. Um, I was talking about it and engaging with people about this topic on Facebook, and I've been blocked, and I had people uh, uh, nicely unfriend me. I unfriended another friend. I don't... I I have a lot of feelings about where we're at, vegan community, and, and throughout the community, but I also am very aware of the fact that this is not a way that I'm good at communicating. I'm not good in this type of conversation. Maybe I can learn to be better, but I don't want to learn how to do that in a public way. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's very loaded in the world right now. <laughs> and, and amongst my vegan brethren and sistren and what's the non-gender specific <laughs> they drin, that's them, they, yeah. Um, it, I feel that if you make a false move or say the wrong thing on Facebook or on social media, even if your intention is good and you're trying to figure this out and this precise thing has happened to me, you are in danger of being ridiculed and humiliated and screenshotted and called. Like It's not okay. And I don't want to be a part of that world right now. Um, I, what I discovered through this 
journey and wherever I'm at with this is that, oh, I know what that sound is. I live next to a dry cleaner and my window is open. I think. Yep. Yeah. So sorry. I don't know how to say this. And I feel like it's a cop out to say I'm not having this conversation, (laughs) but that's where I'm at with it. What I will tell you is um, I don't want to have any of this conversation. I will be in Berkeley, California this summer. I'm doing my show at the Animal Rights um, Center in Berkeley, and that's a project of direct action everywhere. I am going to report about my experience with DXE. Um, I'll be staying in their house (laughs) for a couple of nights. I'm performing in the Animal Rights Center, and then another night I'm giving a talk on um, animals and um, uh, on uh, activism and creativity. I'm very excited. They've been extremely, um, uh, what's the word for when people are hospitable? And my experience at Actions with DXC has been I'm only reporting on my experience. <laughs> my experience with DXE at their actions has been that they are very clear about what their nonviolence um, policies are, what their beliefs are about nonviolence, and they're very clear about the goal of the type of actions they do. And they're very communicative with everyone. And I was going to say to a fault, but it's not to a fault. It's perfect before and after actions. How was that for everyone? Let us know if you don't feel like saying it right now. Please email these people. They're your contacts for your reflections and response to this. My experience with DXC has always been great. There are people who have been involved with DXC who have been problematic. And my experience and my opinion of this is that I am happy with how DXC has uh, address this. I guess I am now talking to this. I have researched thoroughly, um, and the people who are named by name and who name people by name, I have followed the path. I've asked insiders in DXC, and I feel comfortable that what they are doing is clear. I feel clear and um, at ease with what I've experienced and what I've researched. I'm also aware that there are a lot of vague accusations against them and they're not clear, you know, and then and and there's a whole story to things that we don't see on Facebook posts and in these pylons that happen um, where they're like comment after comment and screenshots and all this stuff where the everything gets buried. Everyone, everyone's perspective gets buried. So I'm I'm very hesitant to even be saying this much on the podcast. Um, I got an email from someone who I didn't ask uh, uh, if it was okay to share it, so I'm not going to say the person's name. It's a person I respect tremendously, um, and they have some concerns about DXE, and they're very passionate about these concerns. And I am listening. I mean, that's my <laughs> I'm listening, I'm researching, I'm discovering, and I'm trying to see the whole picture and I will be in the belly of the DXE beast when I'm in Berkeley and I'm going to be filming and making vlogs and doing all this stuff that I've been working on to document my trip and document my activist slash rescuer slash performer slash everything else I'm doing um, experience. So 
I hear, <laughs> I hear the concerns. I don't want to fight with people anymore, and I don't want to lose any more friends over this conversation. So I am like, I'm going to do the best I can to be honest and to be open and um, in a place of discovery and questioning about all of my dealings with DXE. And I will um, promise to share that openly and honestly. Um, yeah, that's where I'm at with it. Um, I have always been happy with them as an organization. They have problems just like any other organization. I see them as a group of people who are trying to learn and grow and change the world for animals. And I'm on board with that. Even if sometimes things like bad shit happens, like that happens with everyone and people, good people do terrible things. I like, and I think I come from this. Well, I had no idea I was going to go on about this. Uh, <laughs> partly I come to this conversation and this understanding as a person who is a former alcoholic and drug addict. And I'm not that person now. I changed and there were people who believed in me even when I fucked up really, really bad. There were people that were supporting me even though my behavior was shitty to the max. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, I have to do the same for the world. Um, I have to practice forgiveness and understanding to a degree, you know what I mean? And I'm still in that place with DXE. <laughs> I feel perfectly comfortable with being involved with them. So that's where I'm at. Whoa, how long did I talk about that? Um, yeah, anyway, so, <laughs> excuse me, I'm coughing right in your ear. I'm so sorry. I need to figure out where to go from there. Um, I am going on tour. Oh, I went to Moogfest. You know what? I'm writing about this stuff on my blog at michaelherron.com. I'm putting up vlogs from Moogfest um, on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash michaelherronmusic. Um, so look at that stuff. I'd love to have your involvement in those other places. I'm really working hard on learning um, about film editing. Um, I had my new camera with me at uh, uh, Moogfest and filmed a ton. So... <laughs> Excuse me. I'm, this is loosey-goosey today. I didn't realize I was going to get quite so passionate about DXE. Um, it's, it, oh, God, here we go. I, I feel very sad about some friendships I've lost over this. And I don't want to have, I don't want to, I don't want to. So I'm going to, but I'm going to do it in a, I don't know what I'm calling this. Uh, I'm, yeah, uh, let me shut up. Uh, we talked about the tour. Uh, all my tour dates are now up at michaelherron.com. I'm going to be um, all over the West Coast. Uh, I'm pulling up those dates right now so I can tell you. I know I'm going to be in Houston at the Rec Room um, on July 9th. And on July 8th, let me make sure I'm telling you the right date. July 8th. Yeah, I'm giving a talk at Houston Community College Conference Center on Arts and Activism. That's for uh, the Vegan Society of Peace. Uh, the 9th of July, I'm doing the animal show at the Rec Room in Houston. Uh, the next show is in Los Angeles on July 26th. I wonder if I can squeeze something in in uh, Arizona. Hmm. Uh, 20, July 26th, I'll be at the Bootleg Theater doing the animal show at Los Angeles. July 30th, the animal show will be at Berkeley, California, Berkeley Animal Rights Center. The 31st, I'll be giving the same talk for those Berkeley folks. Talk arts and activism, the animal show in Portland on the 14th of August uh, at Tabor's Face 
uh, in the Copeland Commons room. This is freaking me out that I'm doing a tour and this is really happening. Uh, so all those things are happening. Oh my God. And I'm doing a show here before I leave. June 26th, uh, Mikey Pod Live. Um, I'll have some great guests. Uh, my Demon Sister. Oh, now the cat is digging in the litter box. Thanks for riding with me on this, guys, because this is quite a show already. Uh, <laughs> the At the Crane Theater, I'll be doing a live version of this podcast, second year in a row. It's part of the Queerly Festival. I'll have great artists. Joel B. New is a fantastic musical theater singer-songwriter. There is Anna Kate, a duo. They're fantastic. They're fellow Judson Memorial Church artists. And uh, My Demon Sister, my friend, um, My Demon Sister is the name of the group, not My Demon Sister performing. And uh, uh, that's my pal, Robert Conroy. I'll be playing with him, his amazing music. So it's going to be a great night. Come to that June 26th. And that'll be pretty soon before I leave my uh, leave for tour. So it's going to be an exciting thing. If you like this always free podcast or the many other things I create, tell a friend, leave a review, like, subscribe, all of those things. And especially, I'd love your support at patreon.com slash Michael Heron, where you can get access to all kinds of cool stuff in exchange for as little as a dollar a month. I'd love to connect with you there, and I'd love your help in covering the expenses for this always free podcast. And the other content I create everywhere, like YouTube, as I mentioned before, lots of new videos there. Go check them out. Enough about me and all that stuff. Today's guest is Andy Tabar. I can't describe to figure out exactly how to uh, bill him. He's uh, the owner of Compassion Co. T-shirts, vegan, awesome things. I wanted to talk to him because he is nomadic. He lives in a van and he just travels around selling his shirts. That type of life is so appealing to me. And I wanted to talk to him about it before I headed out on tour. Uh, he's also one of two hosts of The Bearded Vegans, a fantastic vegan podcast. And that's it. Oh, I'm going to play a song from his band, The Flaming Tsunamis. Yep. And this song is called Vines. And then we'll have the interview right after this.
Welcome to the podcast, Andy. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. We've never, like, we've just communicated on Facebook before. I don't think we've ever, like, literally spoken to each other, so... It's a, it's a gift. <laughs> Exciting. You're, you're one of those people, you know, you have a lot of these people, I'm sure, where they're like a big presence in your life because you're both so consistently on Facebook and interacting and in the same circles, but you don't actually know each other in real life. So this is our introduction right here. Yeah, this is, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> it's fun. Like, I want to talk to you specifically about your work, like a specific part of it, which I just really realized recently, but we should talk about what your work is. Uh, the two main things I know you for are uh, being a co-host of the podcast, The Bearded Vegans, which is great. Love it. Thank you. And and you also run a t-shirt company called Compassion Co. Um, and it's, uh, well, tell me about it, because you could probably, of course, like do the elevator speech of what it is better than I can. Sure. So Compassion Co. is just a it's a vegan clothing line. And I started about six years ago just because I was trying to find shirts that had a specific style and a specific message that I wanted to wear. And I wasn't finding it out there at the time. So I was like, well, I guess I should just make these things. So, you know, uh, it's all vegan message wear, but a strong component is a visual component. So it's not just words on a shirt. There's it's all hand drawn illustrations and graphics. And I decided that, you know, if I was going to do this, I had to do it right. And I wanted as much as possible the whole chain of production to fall in line with the vegan ethic. So to me, that meant that it would be organic or recycled, uh, sweatshop free and USA made. And we use water based inks and low impact dyes and all, all that good stuff that most people don't really ask about. But I want to make sure is a part of the package when they're purchasing it. Yeah, it's good to know that stuff. Like I've just started recently doing part. Uh, t-shirts for my own brand or whatever you want to call it um, just for me as performer guy and um, the people that do ask those questions they know like you got to have the answers for them <laughs> like <laughs> yes like they're very specific about what they're asking and it helped me to have someone have asked that question and now that I know you better you may be a person I ask when I'm ordering t-shirts too um, but I like a person who I knew would not buy a t-shirt unless it was like ultra compassionately made sweatshop free, et cetera. I was like, so what do I need to make happen for these? Cause I, it's hard to keep track of that stuff. So I'm glad there are people that are, it is, it's hard. It took me a while to find shirts. I was comfortable printing on and you know, the, the availability of shirts that kind of fit my criteria are very small, although growing the market has grown significantly in the last couple of years. Um, but yeah, it's, as you know, it's really stacked against a consumer that's trying to make some sort of, you know, even vaguely ethical decision in their purchasing power. So I try and do as much of that legwork as I can for the consumer. Yeah, I love it. And your sizing is also gender. I'm calling it gender neutral, but I don't know if that's the right uh, discussion. You don't you don't. It's not like male centric, <laughs> the sizing. That's the way I sort of perceive it. Is that am I on track with that? Yes. So I try and keep everything gender neutral. I, I honestly am not the person that's like the most educated and knows every phrase of these things. But I do know that, you know, there's not just two genders out there and, and people of all genders like wearing various types of clothing. So I wanted to, you know, reflect that with the labeling on the website and hopefully 
people will find it to be a more inclusive experience. I've definitely had people, you know, that are very thankful for that because, you know, they don't identify as a man and they go to shop and they're looking for clothes, but they can only find it in like the men's section. And that's, you know, not a good experience for them. So I am still tweaking these things. What I've kind of settled on is what people typically refer to as a men's shirt. I just call unisex. Uh, that's pretty standard. And then what a lot of people would call women's shirt, I call fitted. And uh, we also try and have as many sizes as possible. So in most of the things I create, I have extra small up through triple extra large. I'm actually just about to start having 4X because those became available to me. So trying to trying to accommodate as many body sizes and types as I can within the framework of the organic and USA made uh, metric. Ah, love it. It's so great. I had, I had an interesting experience ordering a shirt from you where I, I, I experienced my male sized privilege where I would like, I start, I found myself like, ah, I don't know how to, what? and then it was suddenly like, oh yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the point. Uh, so it was, a, it, I, I had a great learning experience and still have a great t-shirt. So that was really good. Uh, so, but it's, it, I don't know. It was a really cool, it, a cool moment of like sort of busting myself on like, yeah, exactly. Calm it <laughs> down and figure it out. Uh, so that was good. Um, do you do all the designs yourself? I do not do the artwork. So I, I'm someone who can only draw stick figures. I come up with the ideas and I sketch them out and I work with a few other artists. Currently I have two artists that I work with who are friends and are just phenomenal, phenomenal, <coughs> just phenomenal <laughs> at what they do. And you know, they'll take my horrible sketch and I'll be like, please make this a snarky unicorn. And it comes back to me and it's more beautiful than I possibly could have expected. Uh, that's a great moment when you have an idea and then the person that knows how to make it happen makes it happen. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's better than you even could imagine. That's a really cool feeling. Yeah. And one of the artists I work with particularly is he has a lot of opinions on things. And so I'll, I'll be like this. And he's like, mm, you don't want that. Let me show you what you actually want. And I'm like, <laughs> you're right. You're right about that. Do you do you ever have those moments in the conversation before you see what their idea is where you're like, no, I'm pretty sure what I just said is what I want. Like where you feel like you want to dig your heels in or anything. Yeah. And you know, every now and then, you know, he'll send me something that uh, he is like, this is awesome. Everyone's going to love it. And I'm just like, it's just not what I want. And I don't think it's, I don't think it fits the brand, even though it's a cool design. Um, and then, so some, it goes both ways and sometimes, but sometimes I'm like, there's no way I'll accept anything other than exactly what I've described. And then I'll get sent something like, no, this is beautiful. Let's roll with this. Uh, cool. Uh, so I just realized recently and, and I don't know the whole picture, but you I knew you were someone who like shows up at veg fests and different events all over the country. And it just, I realized recently, I can't remember where I saw it, like a picture of your van or maybe it was a video of your van. Either way you sleep in the van. Like, is that like, talk to me about that. Cause I find that type of thing so intriguing and exciting. That is totally accurate. I actually have not had my own physical address since July of 2015. Um, I've spent so much of my life touring either with a band, which was my my thing for a long time before starting the clothing line, or with a nonprofit that I was working with doing vegan education outreach, uh, and then also just traveling to these veg fests. So I got to a point when I was just 
on the road so much that I was like, why am I throwing away hundreds of dollars every month on rent when I'm not living there anymore? So I had been looking into nomadic living and sort of was inspired by reading all these forums and of course following Kristen from World Travel for Vegan Food. And I was just like, I could do this. I could live in my van. So yeah, I traded out my very much falling apart station wagon and purchased a new transit connect and built a small bed in the back with my dad. And by that, I mean, he did 90% of the work. I just kind of held the boards (laughs) and have been living in there ever since. Oh my God. I, I love like, yeah, I love this so much. And I'm, I'm about to go on tour. I don't know if you know already, but I've been talking about on the podcast this summer, I'm touring with my show and I'm like speaking at a couple of vegan events and, um, and visiting sanctuaries and doing little mini, mini, uh, residencies. And, as I like start figuring out how to make that work as a tour, like uh, Kristen Lajeunesse, of course, has been in the back of my head, like, yes, do this. And like that little, that fantasy ever since I've been sort of following her of um, that nomadic life, it seems so cool. Um, And then I see your van. I'm like, oh my God, I got to talk to this guy. Um, (laughs) It's so, so I'm just doing a two month thing and, and I'm already thinking, I, because I, I, my apartment is sort of shady. It's not exactly a legal apartment, so I can't really, <laughs> uh, like sublet it. But I have, and I have gear in here, so I can't. Re- so I'm already like, I'm gonna be gone for two months and paying rent on this apartment at like New York City price. So anyway, uh, so I find it super fascinating. I want to know favorite things about that, and maybe not so favorite things. But let's start with favorite. What what. Are there particular things that you really especially enjoy about being nomadic? Sure. That's a good question. I love talking about this stuff. Um, people people always have so many questions when they learn about it. Um, the way that I do nomadic living is, I think, pretty different from the way most people do. I, I think when a lot of people hear, oh, you live in a van, they picture the Instagram perfect wood panels and there's a little refrigerator and a kitchenette in there. And for me, it is something that is super utilitarian in that I have this bed and it's basically the size of a cot. It's two by six and it's elevated and my merch bins go underneath it. But then my merch bins are also next to me. So where I sleep is just kind of like um, an area that I crawl into. I love it. It is super cozy. Actually feel like almost every night when I crawl in there, I feel very happy. Um, Uh I feel like George Costanza napping under the desk in the episode where he (laughs) had that custom death. I don't know. There's just something about the efficiency of space that I love. And so I I love the challenge of sort of the minimalist aspect of van living because I can't take on stuff. You know, I used to be someone that collected records and DVDs and books. And every time I moved, I was like, why am I carrying all these heavy boxes of books that I've already read and records I barely listen to? So I like that I have to really analyze, like, is this something that will fit into my life in the van? And it, or do I need to get rid of something in order to take this thing on? Which thing is more valuable to me? And just sort of really trying to maximize that economy of space is something that's like really satisfying. Uh, the other night I was, um, I had loaded in for the Indie Veg Fest the, the next day and I realized the bottom of my bed was kind of coming out. There's like a little shelf there and I just 
had to get a hammer and some nails and I was fixing it and it was just like pouring rain outside. And I realized that I was incredibly happy in that moment. Like I was like, this is just so much fun that this is like a challenge that I'm dealing with right now. So that aspect is great. I love traveling. I love visiting friends. I love going to lots of vegan restaurants. That's kind of one of my favorite things to do. And you know, a lot of people don't get to do that. They get to go to the restaurants in their area within like an hour or two radius, maybe. And I'm, you know, if someone tells me I'm going to this town, I can tell them which good vegan spots to go to. So uh, I think those are probably the highlights. And then also just the freedom of, hey, I have a week to get to this next event. What do I want to do in this week? I only have six hours to drive. So where am I going to go hike? You know, where am I going to go swim? What restaurants am I going to go to? what other weird attractions are along the way. And, and so it's like every week is different for me. Um, so here's some like day-to-day questions. Where do you take showers, go to the bathroom, stuff like that? Like how do you take care of those needs? Yes. So that's probably the thing people ask the most. Uh, showers <laughs> I get at Planet Fitness. I have a black card membership. It's only 20 bucks a month. And they are literally everywhere. I don't think there's ever been a time when I've needed one and I haven't been able to find one. And, you know, they're pretty much in all cities now. They're in a lot of smaller towns now, too. And so it's great because that it gives me an excuse to go work out and then take a shower. Sometimes I just roll in and shower and then leave. And I don't know if the people at the front desk think that's really weird, but whatever. I'm paying for the membership. Uh, that, <laughs> I love it. And then you'll be in a different town the next day anyway. So who cares yeah, what I think? doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, and... Uh, bathrooms, you know, they're just everywhere. Uh, the biggest struggle is when I park at night where a lot of people are curious about that as well. I, I am someone that as soon as I wake up, it's time to go. So I always make sure that I'm parked near somewhere that will have a bathroom. And usually that's like near a Walmart or Whole Foods or something else that's open pretty early. Um, and then another sort of life on the road is the, the pee bottle. I know some people are kind of grossed out by that, but uh, everyone I know that tours has peed in a bottle at some point, and sometimes you just gotta. <laughs> I love that type of detail, so I'm fully on board <laughs> with hearing about that. <laughs> there's in the van dwelling communities. I mean, there's people that have just buckets, and and their whole system is like they put a bag in the, in the bucket, like as a trash can, and then they go number two, and then they tie it up and figure out where to put it. And I wouldn't ever want to deal with that mess in the van, but people have all sorts of solutions. And then parking it like I, I Walmart's in general are, are OK with like RVs even parking overnight. Right. Is that right or am I making that up? That's mostly right. I want to say that that's the case about 80 percent of the time at Walmart's that aren't in major cities. Uh, there's actually a great app Um it's called all stays. They make a, a bunch of different apps, but they have one specifically for Walmart and it's a database of which Walmarts people have successfully slept at. And so I can just open it up and see where is most likely okay for me to sleep. And people will put in their notes. Oh, I asked the manager, they said it was okay. Or there's signs that say no parking overnight, but the security guard still says it was cool. Things like that. Um, I, my preferred place to sleep if I'm not, if I'm just like going state to state, like just hauling it to get to the next veg fest, I actually really love staying at rest stops 
because they're areas where people are likely to be sleeping their vehicles and no one's really hassling them. Um, I've ever, I've never actually been hassled, but I just like that it's there. There's a bathroom 24 seven and people sort of expect to see some weird guy fall out of his van and flip flops and like go into the bathroom, like in the morning. (laughs) Um, If I am somewhere that is like a city or somewhere that I'm going to be for a while, like often in the winter, I'll go to Southern California, go to LA I usually try and find, I do what's called stealth parking, which is, or stealth camping, where you are trying to make it as unobvious as possible that you are living in your vehicle. So, you know, the Transit Connect, it's basically like a minivan sized vehicle, which is great because I can park it pretty much anywhere. And I have limo tint on the back windows and then like a black curtain that separates the front from the back. So unless someone was like really looking for it, they would just assume this is just a van that's parked here. Um, you know, unlike an RV, which people assume someone's sleeping in or even like a smaller conversion van. So I just try and find like a neighborhood to park in. The ideal is something where it's like an apartment complex and like an area where there's a bunch of cars, like a parking lot, and no one knows whose car belongs to who. So they'll just assume I'm someone's friend visiting from out of town. Um, those are my favorite places to park, usually because they're way quieter than a Walmart. Um, I'll do the Walmart occasionally, but I don't know. I just I feel like people, if they see the van in the corner of the lot, they know someone's sleeping in it. And for some reason, I'd rather just be as unobvious as possible. Well, so many of my responses are like, Oh my God, that's just so cool. I want to be doing that. Um, what, uh, that's such a corny question, but I always, uh, but it's on my mind. Like what, what is living, becoming nomadic taught you? Like, have you, what have you learned about yourself that you hadn't discovered yet? Oh, that's a good question. I'm not entirely sure <laughs> I have an answer. <laughs> I, I mean, cause I feel like a lot of what are the greatest benefits for me about van living are things that I kind of knew about myself going into it. And that is that I am very much an introvert. I love my alone time. And so just living in the van has like reassured me that like, yes, you are very much that person. Like you don't need constant human interaction all the time. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I like my views of anything or, or if I've like learned anything new about myself just because it's kind of an extension of what I've been doing since almost high school, you know, touring in bands all the time. Uh, yes. I think that's I think that's all we have time for. I'm so grateful that you were uh, able to take time to talk to me. Where are the oh shit? We haven't talked at all about bearded vegans. Quick, what's the bearded vegans? <laughs> bearded vegans is a podcast, <laughs> and it is myself and my co-host Paul, and we have sort of found our niche in that we like to talk about the ethical gray areas of veganism as well as issues within the vegan community in terms of effective activism, what we think makes things work or not work and and how it affects outside communities and their perception of veganism and all that good stuff. Uh, And we like to have a fun time. We like to laugh. We like to joke around and we talk a little bit about the food that we're eating and news and then the rest of our episodes are usually a lengthy discussion getting really nitty gritty with with various ethical quandaries in veganism uh and i love it i really really enjoy your podcast the two of you are like great you know great chemistry and like you you have your opinions are just slightly differing enough in places that it like makes it interesting and it's great i really love it well, thank um, you the uh reducitarian guy i gotta tell you i was so mad <laughs> I don't even want to start, um, but he, so many of the things in the clips, uh, you people who are listening to this podcast 
it's uh, thebeardedvegans.com or just beardedvegans.com? Thebeardedvegans.com. And, you know, we're on iTunes and Stitcher and all those places you find podcasts. Uh, yeah, vegans, listen to this <laughs> reducitarian conversation and prepare to get pissed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was like, oh my God, I don't even want to, that's a whole nother topic. Um, but yeah, anyway, thanks for joining me. We know where to find the podcast. Where are the other good places to find you online? Well, the clothing line is compassion co. So it's compassionco.com, And I have all the social media for that as well, but pro- really the best place to, to follow me is on the Instagram. I think I have the most fun happens there and I do have a Facebook as well. So do that. Sign up for a mailing list on the the uh, website, and you'll get updates on sales and new items and all those fun things. Uh, amazing! And podcast listeners, um, if you don't have a pen, you can just go to mikeypod.com, and in the show notes for this episode, you'll find links to all things Andy. Uh, thank you for joining me today. Uh, thank you. I had a blast. So commonly, the uh, animal abusers in laboratories will frame the question of want us to help your child or do you want us to stop experimenting on animals? Well, that is a a false question. That's not what it is. And in fact, if these uh, animal experimenters would quit wasting money on this needless and useless animal research, they could actually save a lot more people.
That was Thalidomide from the Flaming Tsunamis, the band of Andy Tabar. Thanks for joining me on the show today, Andy. If you are listening to the show, uh, <laughs> do much show notes, MikeyPod.com. Uh, email me, MikeyPod at gmail.com. Check out my tour dates, MichaelHeron.com. Uh, my YouTube channel is booming. I'd love your support at Patreon.com slash MichaelHeron. That's really it. Uh, join me for my live podcast. <laughs> so many things. So much is happening. I don't know. Everything's happening. So thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for listening to my, uh, my DXE sort of randomness. I, I think my, my point in all of that is, I don't know. I'm learning. I'm trying to figure things out and what works best for me and what works best for uh, animal rights. And I don't know. I'm doing my best and I'm going to continue to do my best and try to be honest in all ways. So um, apologies again for those I may have offended with my dismissive attitude on the last podcast and look forward to next week. And the following week, Vegan Moe's next week, and then Beethoven, uh, a really cool uh, trio of uh, new music artists coming up in the next two weeks. And then on tour, honey. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.